Monsters and Masterpieces, episode 13. I'm Raven, she, her. I'm B, she, her. So I've changed topics for this episode like three times. Because she's extra. Well, extra neurodivergent. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes you just gotta follow the fixation. So even though I've had several subjects on my mind and notes ready to go, this is the one I decided to work on as of two days ago. So, it kind of means I still have a lot of research to do on this topic, but I'm going to go over what I have so far, and I'm going to try to go continent by continent. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be probably at least a three-parter. Damn. It's a pretty broad subject, and I'm pretty into it right now. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about death masks. Ooh. Or funerary masks, kind of depending. You kind of use the terminology interchangeably, but it kind of depends where you're from, I guess. And uh, kind of depends on the use of the mask. So, like, for a death mask, usually it's made after the person dies. And it's for the living to keep as, like, a record of what they look like. Or, later on, in forensics, it was used to identify John and Jane Doe's. Huh. Yeah. They would just take a plaster cast of their head and display it in public and hope that somebody would know them. That's crazy. hmm But a funerary mask usually stays with the deceased person. And it could be modeled after them, or it could be modeled after a god, something in between. Yeah, but each culture is pretty, pretty different. And like most topics we've researched for this podcast, the information that's most readily available is Eurocentric. But when I search individual cultures outside of Europe, uh, I have yet to find one that doesn't have any sort of death or funerary mask. Uh, burial practice in their history. For this episode, we're just, we're going to go over Africa. Okay. And then we'll move on to Asia. And then we'll see where we're going to go from there. (laughs) So we're going to start with what I would say is one of the most well-known uses of funerary masks. And that's from ancient Egypt. Something that I noticed that Egyptians is that Egyptians were one of the few culture cultures to extend the mask over the chest. The Egyptians believed that the heart was the source of thoughts and feelings, so really the center of everything, and so it makes sense that they would want to protect that. And the masks were supposed to help the deceased cross over to the afterlife and ensure that they would have all of their senses available once they crossed over. So, you know, hearing, sight, smell, taste, all of that stuff. The materials and decorative features varied depending on the social class the person belonged to. The most opulent materials were solid gold and gems. Imagine lifting that up and carrying it downstairs. <laughs> that would uh, take, a, take some strong people. The material used for the lower classes was called uh, cartridge, 
it was a sort of paper mache uh, sort of papyrus that solidified. So kind of like if you think about the way we use plaster today and how we like do layers of cheesecloth and then put some plaster over it and kind of like that. Or like paper mache. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Masks had idealized features, especially if the mask belonged to a pharaoh. There were features related to gods that were used on pharaoh funerary masks to indicate their divine right to rule. And also as protection. Someone from a lower class may not have any decorations on their mask at all. So our first image is a funerary mask of Hetnefer. Hetnefer was the mother of Senenmut, one of Hatshepsut's officials. And Senenmut used his status to ensure that his mom would have a more luxurious burial. So this may not have been like upper class like top tier sort of burial but it was definitely not a lower class burial because uh, her casket and her mask were painted gold. So it's like middle class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah I'd say middle class. It seems very uh, high schooler art project. Yeah it's not quite as detailed as we would see if she had belonged to like the upper class like they they didn't get like the best artisan you know to make it because they couldn't afford like the best artisan yeah and she was also I mean family graves were or family tombs were pretty common back then but um if you were poor there was no guarantee that you would just get a family tomb you kind of would be scattered different places wherever it was available really mm-hmm. um so after she died uh her son had all of the family members relocated into this tomb with her so he was able to establish a family tomb and it had a few um luxury items in there like her favorite jewelry and clothing and stuff like that. Hmm. But yeah, definitely not as detailed as we would see for royalty, basically, during that time. But King Tut's funerary mask, on the other hand, which is image two, is the epitome of royal luxurious masks. Yeah, this this is the top artisan. Yeah, this is like chef's kiss of burials. And there is a time gap between uh, Hetnefer and King Tut, but it's only, like, a little over a hundred years. Oh, that's like nothing. Yeah. For how long they had established and continued their traditions is really no time at all. So I still feel like it's a good example of what you... The differences you might see between a pharaoh's burial and like middle class common person related to somebody in politics burial (laughs) (laughs) his inner coffin because he had three coffins that he was in uh his his inner coffin and mask were made of solid gold and gemstones just gigantic block of gold 
uh, the figures on his mask represent gods that will ensure his safe passage to the afterlife. And there is an inscription on the back of his mask from the Book of the Dead that also serves as protection. The stripes were traditionally worn by pharaohs, and the false beard is usually depicted on gods. So this is a very idealized version of him, because if you've ever seen the reconstructions of what King Tut looked like, this does not look like him at all, but this is like, in an ideal world, such as the afterlife, you're going in looking like your best self that you always wanted to look like. This is like early Photoshop. Yeah, basically. Like, they had no no way of accurately capturing what you look like. So they're like, you know what? This is going to be my legacy. And uh, let's let's just, you know... Slim the nose a little bit. Yeah. Tighten up the cheeks. Yeah. Raise the cheekbones a little higher. It's kind of like a dating profile. Like, <laughs> do you think they'll notice if I change my age by 20 years? <laughs> so... Yeah, very idealized. Um, hey, gods, you up? <laughs> Check me out. Talk about a glow up with all that gold. <laughs> Shiny. Shout out to our very first sponsor, Geeky Bees Nails. They made our Munsters and Masterpieces nail polish, which is selling super quickly. So get yours right now at their Etsy shop. I love our nail polish because I've always had a really hard time with sparkles. It either feels like really rough or chunky, but this goes on so smooth, like butter. It is super long lasting, very quick drying. I love it. It's some of the best nail polish I've ever had, and I am obsessed with nail polish. So definitely get yours while you can. Yeah, and Geeky Bee Nails also has other nail polishes that are uh, fandom-based. So they've got like a Naruto collection, they have Plus Ultra, so My Hero Academia. Yeah, they definitely have a ton of fandoms. They have a lot more coming out. They gave us a little sneak peek. So there's a little something there for everybody. They are free of harmful chemicals and they are cruelty free, which I always love and appreciate. And you can find them on our website, on our shout outs page. There's a link to their Etsy shop. Or you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash geeky bees nails. Check them out today. And now we'll move on to other parts of Africa, which was kind of difficult uh to find what i felt like was adequate information uh but i will try my best here masks have remained an incredibly important part of various cultures in africa i would imagine that funerary practices are unique to each tribe or at least each sort of region but i did see several types of masks that were worn during funerals some of the masks were really specific, and their use depended on things like age and gender of the deceased person. For example, the Capele mask, which is image three, was usually worn if an elderly man died. Whoa. 
mask making was passed down from generation to generation. Usually only men were allowed to create the masks and wear the masks. So even if a woman had died, a male would wear the mask during the funerary practice. And I think that applies to most of Africa, except for some tribes in Sierra Leone. Um, Women are able to participate in the funerary practices and wear masks there. With the mask making that was passed down from generation to generation, the sort of guidelines and ritual, ritual practices were passed down orally as well. So it was very dependent on an elder telling someone younger and just kind of keeping those skills going throughout the tribe. And instead of putting the mask on their deceased loved one, a member of, a member of the family, usually a male, like I said, would wear the mask during the funerary ritual. During the ritual, the ancestor's spirit would inhabit the wearer's body making them a medium between the living and the spirit realm. So masks weren't really for the living to have a likeness or a memory of their loved one. They were used more as a conduit to temporarily bring them back from the spirit world. And some tribes also use masks to ensure safe passage to the spirit world as well. An example of this would be the Bamum funerary mask, which is image four. Uh, It was meant to represent an ancestor. So the person who had died, it didn't have to be recent. They could be calling on a distant ancestor for help or guidance, um, just trying to make contact and see what kind of wisdom they have for the community Hmm. or to celebrate them later on. The masks come in all shapes and sizes. Some are modeled after the deceased and some are modeled after gods. Some are very geometric and some are abstract. And there's a wide range of materials used. It usually depended on which area they were from. So like clay and grass and wood are usually used a lot. But if you have a coastal tribe, they'll use like seashells and grind stuff up to make colorful paints. Um, So it's very unique to each sort of area and tribe. And I actually had a hard time finding examples that predate the 19th century. Uh, The Egyptian examples were pretty old, Uh, like, I would I want to say 1200 years before year zero. Wow. So, yeah, the African examples are from the 19th and 20th century. And I would imagine that has something to do with the fact that uh, people go to Africa, steal things, and take them back to their country. <laughs> You mean the English. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Europeans. Um, 
particularly from the 15th century to, I would imagine now. I'm sure there's still a black market for, like, stealing African artifacts and just... Oh, I mean... Slyly selling it. These aren't African artifacts, but you know about the Hobby Lobby thing where they were smuggling, like, items from Jerusalem and shit and, like... Actually selling it. And it was old, old, old. Well, it, it, they uh, were, yeah, they were buying, well, it was the uh, founder of Hobby Lobby because he's, like, super Christian or whatever. He was getting these black market, like, artifacts for his, co- like, personal collection is what it was. And then, the, and, like, he tried to, like, import them into America and the government was like, uh, what are you doing? And he got caught. And it was, like, a big thing, like, a couple years ago where they got in a lot of shit for it. Someone actually bought something. They bought, like, a a vase or some sort of ceramic ware and posted it online and also reported it. So I think maybe that's what may have started the suspicion and him getting investigated. Because they're like, this looks too legit. I feel like I should tell somebody. And luckily they did, and they tested it, and it was, like, a thousand years old. That's crazy. Yeah. And super fucked up. And just like you were saying about personal collections, a lot of people took items from Africa to keep for personal collections to sell or to put in a museum. (laughs) Uh, For Egypt especially, there was Egyptomania in the 1920s when people were stealing mummies and bringing them home grinding up their body parts and drinking it. Yep. They were like mummy parties. They were called like mummy viewing parties or whatever. Yeah, they thought it would like give them immortality or some shit. And it's like, no. Does this person look immortal to you? (laughs) Like, I mean, that's like beyond desecration. Yeah, this bitch (laughs) dead. And it's beyond desecrating a gravesite. This is next level. Not what Nutrisystem had in mind. <laughs> it's just like the ultimate disrespect. Although there was one dude who bought a mummy and brought it back home and like gave it to his bestie as a gift. And uh, I think he was involved in opening King Tut's tomb. He got stepped on by an elephant while he was hunting big game. And I'm like, hmm. Karma. Karma. Yes. Karma. Gotta love elephants. A lot of these museums still have these items. They have, like, not returned them or offered to return them. Except for some museums in Italy and France. Have been at least talking about it. Hey. Uh... There's a divide in the art history community whether the items should be returned to Africa. And this is where art history is a little iffy for me, as much as I love it. On one hand, it's their community heirlooms, their family history, and it belongs to them. But the argument against that is that Africa is too war-torn and poor to have a sufficient facility to keep the items safe. Which just sounds like a whole lot of racism to me. 
Another argument is that these things belong to whoever bought them. Totally ignoring the fact that these things were stolen and then sold. And because of that argument, Africa has actually had to buy some of their cultural items back. That's nuts. I know. Like, the disrespect. It's like uh, when fucking Paul McCartney had to buy the rights for Beatles music back from the Michael Michael Jackson estate. Oof. Because um, when their uh, music rights were up, or when their music was up from the from the the record, the uh, recording or producing company. The copyright ended and they didn't renew the license. Yeah, Michael Jackson bought all of their rights. And Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson were friends at the time. And it totally ruined their friendship because Paul was like, what the fuck? Because he was, like, really excited because he was like, oh, I'm going to buy all of our music back, all of our rights. Like, and Michael Jackson was like, oh, yeah, that's so great for you. And then he fucking swooped in and bought all of them. Oh, and man. Paul was like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, <laughs> And then when Michael Jackson died, it was part of his estate, and it, like, took forever for it to be released, and then Paul finally was able to buy it back, I think. Oh, that's best. Or or something, or maybe I'm wrong. I know that there was a a while where, like, only Apple had the rights to the Beatles music, too, Hmm. which I don't know if that was because of the Michael Jackson estate, or if that was when Paul had already bought it back, but, yeah, that was... it's, It's, like, the same concept, like... It's his and his friend's music that they made, and yet they don't own the rights to it, even though it's theirs. They had to buy it back, basically. Yeah. And I mean, there's no way of copywriting these artifacts, because, I mean, you never think that somebody is going to, like, go steal your grandma's gravestone because it's pretty. Or looks different from the gravestones in your area. You know what Honestly, I mean? Honestly, I could see some, like, fucked up goth kids doing that, though, at their local cemetery. <laughs> Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just, like, I mean, a funerary mask that may or may not look like your ancestor directly or the recently deceased passed on for generation to generation like, ouch. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, countries that still won't even consider giving it back or even asking if they want it back. I just, I would say that, like, if any people are, like, on the fence of, like, oh, I don't really know how to feel about this, look at it from this perspective. So, this is, like, a personal thing to me. Several, several years ago, my great-uncle passed away, and my grandma was the only surviving relative he had, like, direct relative. And at the time, she was kind of going through the beginnings of dementia, and so, since everything was in her name, she decided to give it up to the state of Colorado, the whole state. And so what that meant is that we could only take family heirlooms that we could get within a set amount of time. So we only had a week to get anything that we could that was directly family heirloom linked. But anything that wasn't considered a family heirloom had to go into this estate auction 
because this what the state does is when they give they're given an estate they put everything on auction i wasn't personally at the auction but my mom and my brother were and they said that it was fucking horrible because there were people that were vultures at this estate auction mm-hmm. because there were certain things that like a lot of our family members like cousins and stuff that were there they were having to be part of the auction to get some of the stuff back. And so one thing that we lost was his World War II uniform. Oh, my God. Um, there was a lady that went up to my grandma and was like, do you have any family photos that I can buy for my art projects? What? And my grandma was like, what the fuck are you talking? What? Why would you want, like... And she was looking for, like, Victorian, like, old, old family photos. Which, obviously, we took those, right? Yeah. But it's like, why would you ask someone that? Like, this is their deceased relative, and you're gonna fucking ask them, like, shit like that? Like, that's so fucked up. And, like, there were people at this auction that, when they found out you were a family member participating in the auction, they would auction even harder to make sure you did not win. That's fucked up. Exactly. So, look at it from that perspective. Imagine if your family member died and there was all this sentimental shit, even if they weren't considered, like, family heirlooms, but, like, sentimental items. Like, my great-uncle was a collector, so he had, like, every volume of National Geographic. He had every volume of Reader's Digest. He had every, like, print... He was kind of a hoarder a little bit. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, just, like, these really special things that weren't considered heirlooms, but they were special because he was a collector. They were his special interests. He liked them. Right. And we lost all of it because... Because, you know what I mean? (sighs) So, like, that vulture mentality has never gone away. Right. Mm. One thing I want to point out, too, is that when they say that Africa is too war-torn... Like, are we talking about apartheid that was from European mm-hmm. colonizers swooping in and taking over shit and enforcing slavery? Like, that kind of war-torn that yeah. really wasn't, like, Africa's fault? I don't know. It sounds like a bunch of excuses. Mm-hmm. To me, because you know the British Museum is making bank. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, it's a shame because I can understand, like, in times of war, it's possible for artifacts to be destroyed. Like, um, I think it was when ISIS was really going on. Mm. There was a lot of stuff um, that was destroyed. Um, and they were voluntarily destroying it because they were like, this isn't our history, we're rewriting our history kind of stuff. And it was just, like, heartbreaking to see these ancient artifacts be destroyed because of weird political stances. Iconoclasm, modern-day iconoclasm. Right, which, I mean, I'm not part of that culture, so maybe I just don't understand, but at the same time, it's... I, can, I guess I can see some art historians' reservations if there is, like, physical war mm-hmm. where these artifacts would be going. But at the same time, like, I don't know. You'd have to trust that the country's government knows how to take care of their history and the items from their history. Yeah. I mean, there's 
it would be nice if we could house important artifacts until things calm down and then mm-hmm. give them back. But unfortunately, that never happens. And you also can't move things like the Sphinx. So, but in terms of smaller things, uh, very localized things, I guess I kind of feel like, well, if they want them back, give them back. And if they get destroyed, they get destroyed. It's not really ours to hold on to. And now we have digital records, which I mean... Like, they can disappear, but there's ways to back up digital records, and you can copyright an image without copywriting, like, the actual artifact. Mm -hmm. So if a museum takes a picture, then technically that picture belongs to the museum. I mean, I think it would be worth it, like, to sort of make some sort of agreement between countries when artifacts are found or discovered that there's sort of this collective sharing of research and picture taking mm-hmm. and observing the object in question or art piece in question. And then obviously the object lives where it's from, but that information is shared with the world, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And some people have said, like, why why doesn't some of the biggest museums in the world go establish secure museums in Africa. Mm-hmm. So then at least the artifacts return to their home country and the economy of that country benefits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is still an ongoing debate and I mean it would be unfortunate to lose artifacts but at the same time the way we get those artifacts is pretty fucked up I would I say it's better to have a like written record and photographs and whatever and then it be destroyed later than nothing at all yeah is my opinion Mm -hmm. like it's a shame and it would be sad to lose the actual artifact like it being destroyed in times of war or whatever, but at the same time, as long as we have a record of it, it's not a total loss. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that is uh, episode one of Death Masks. And uh, next time, it's going to be your turn. Woo! And then I'll, uh, I'll keep working on this, and we'll dive into... China, Japan, and uh, probably a couple other places. This is going to be like my first multicultural segment. So, very (laughs) excited to keep looking at masks of dead people. (laughs) (laughs) Mine will probably not be as exciting next next time. We'll see. Oh, stop it. You always do something lighthearted and cute, and I'm just over here like, death. Oh, just wait until we get into serial killers. We'll see if that stays lighthearted and cute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. (laughs) 
You're usually not dark, but when you go there, you're I'm real there, dark. I'm there, 100%. You're dark. Yeah. I go from, like, zero to 100, like, immediately. <laughs> you're like a Gretzigo. Yes. <laughs> Cute, adorable, 0%, and then it's, like, a light switch is, like, 100%. Full-on metal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Full-on evil. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and hello to our new listeners in Ireland. And Whoa. oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, we have listeners in Ireland now. What's up, Ireland? And uh, yeah, hello everybody. Hello, all of our international listeners. Canada, UK. I see you guys too. <laughs> and Poland. Poland wow. also started listening. So hello, Poland. What's up, guys? (laughs) Hopefully we're not butchering your history. Hopefully we're not pissing people off. Oops. Uh, If you have any information to add, just email us. Oh, yeah. You can find us on our... Find our email address on our website. Send us a message on there. Uh, Correct us if you need to, but please be nice about it. Or Um, I'll cry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we welcome feedback. So, see y'all next time. Bye-bye.